Hello and welcome to a brand new deep dive from your buddies here at Dreamcast Years. I'm Andrew and joining me as ever are the wonderful Steve and Rich. How are you both? Hello, hello. I'm very well. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. How about you, Rich? Hello. I'm very, very well. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, um, so far we've covered uh, the Dreamcast itself, Sonic, and even my book, Dreamcast Year One to get the plug in. Um, we aim to look in depth at many topics from specific consoles, franchises, developers and even movies. Uh, today however we're going on a slight tangent and rather than covering media itself uh, we're taking a look at the methods used to deliver it during the golden years of 1997 to 2008. Um, so many media formats came and went as did pieces of tech used to consume all the things that we use our phones to access today. Um, so we're talking things like dial-up internet, VHS, UMD, mini-disc, HD, DVD, MP3 players, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess I want to start off by asking kind of what piece of tech or media format do, do both of you miss the most from that time? Rich, I'll start with you. I'll be honest, I think I would probably say VHS. Really? Yeah. And I know Steve's reason. nodding, and I'm sure he's got some fond memories of VHS, but I find there's so many real, more emotional memories attached to that format versus things that came later, whether it was my dad's labelling system with his stickers on the cassettes, <laughs> renting cassettes from the video rental shop. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just... It was primitive, it was the first real time I had... A media format in a home. I mean, I had a brief spell with Betamax. I know we're not going to cover that in this podcast, but I just have so many fun memories of VHS. Um, my mum always used to rent me, unknowingly, used to rent me uh, lots of uh, violent films from the uh, shop. Nice. So, thanks, mum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great format. I mean, there's so many things I remember now, and it's going to keep on popping in my head. Like, when I used to rent films and used to get all the copyright trailers at the start for uh was it the federation against copyright copyright theft facts mm. um all the trailers you said to it things like you even the things you had to deal with like tracking and setting the timer at night to tape certain things whether it was video plus or it was a manual timer just you never got that with discs everything was so just convenient and how it was delivered and there was something you had to kind of work with videotapes Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I would say VHS definitely. Definitely an interesting format, and uh, like you say, it was it was inconvenient, but yet still holds quite a lot of memories. Like you had to, if you if you rented something, like if you went to Blockbuster and rented a video, if the person mm. before you hadn't rewound it, you had to sit there for five minutes or more and rewind yeah. the video before you could watch it, which is inconvenient as hell. And then led to the whole rise of having the stickers on the videos to like. <laughs> be kind rewind and then which spawns mm. the entire movie with jack black but you know <laughs> my, um, my dad had this thing with vhs as well like obviously you never got it with other formats because they were a lot optical but always felt a bit nervous about renting films because you never know what people like stuck in the tapes and i think he was always terrified it was basically going to screw up the vcr something was going to find its way into the mechanism because it was in the cassette and we never had the problem <laughs> but you never got that with a disc you know, other than the discs scratched, the worst thing that's going to happen is the discs doesn't work. But yeah, man, VHS, I, I, I love it so much. Um, yeah, I could talk a day about it, really. <laughs> but I won't. 
Steve, you, you were <laughs> nodding before when, when Richard talked about yeah. VHS. Like, what are your memories so, of that? I don't, I don't I don't know that I'd say I miss VHS necessarily. I mm. think DVD and Blu-ray are way better, obviously, but I certainly have a lot of nostalgia um, for VHS, and some of it is impossible to articulate. I, like, I don't know what it is about VHS quality, but if I ever find myself um, watching something in VHS quality, either through an actual VHS or like a video that's been made to look that way, I don't know, I get like an instant comfortable feeling. It's really hard to describe. There's something about that soft picture quality, the slightly dodgy sound that just feels really warm and fuzzy. Mm. Um, it feels it, it feels safe. I feel like I'm safe. And uh, it's just, it's yeah, there are so many memories um, because my formative year, I mean, I love films and TV shows and my formative years of, of watching those were through, invariably through VHS uh, if I was at home. So yeah, I've got so many connections to that format. Um, and I mean, when you when you look back as well, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a crazy, and this is true of a lot of technology. It's like a crazy feat of engineering as well that you get this black box that's filled with miles and miles of tape. And then you have a very specifically built machine that has the exact right mechanisms and rods in it that can spin this tape around really fast. And it's like a completely analog format as well, which is nuts. And I, I think, uh, not to be too old man yells at cloud about this, but I a lot of people don't realize what that actually means when you say it's an analog format. Mm. Like it's not that far off um, the way LPs, you're just scraping a needle on a thing. Like a VHS cassette is a physical thing that has physical information on it that is then inter you know interpreted and, and read by microchip. What the fuck ever? I don't even know how it works, but it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, VHSs were and still are um, special in my mind. Yeah, it was the uh, the workarounds with them as well because I mean, like the way you used to, you could either break the tabs off the cassettes so you could tape over it, or put sellotape oh, yeah. over them so they were basically protected. And then obviously there was standard and long play as well. So yeah, four hour set came out, eight hour cassette, and it was just stuff like that was so cool. And you had to you had to make a decision right between you were like, do I want eight hours of stuff at low quality, or do I want four hours of stuff at slightly less low quality? Um, and I, I mean, I would invariably go for the long play setting mm. because I wanted to get eight hours of South Park onto one VHS cassette. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. It, it seems silly now as well, like looking back at that and going, oh yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll do the four hours for better quality because the better quality in air quotes was not that good. <laughs> like you compare it even no. to DVD, no. um, it, it was just it was absolutely horrendous. But there was definitely something about the quality of a VHS tape and a VHS tape. VHS tape um, that was, uh, yeah, th there's something that, I don't know, it taps into your youth. And also, I think me and you, Steve, had a conversation about VHS and horror movies and how there is something mm. about that that kind of makes it, you know, even even more scary, uh, that kind of format. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I think it, as much as it is, also, as it is a comfortable feeling to watch something, in VHS, it's it, it's very easy to also subvert that. And if you're like things seem scarier 
when they're in VHS quality. Uh, it, it might just be because you're thinking back to watching scary films that you pop that you possibly shouldn't have. Mm-hmm on VHS so it kind of reminds you of that feeling um but I also think there is something just if done right there is something inherently creepy about VHS quality stuff Mm. there's a really good series on YouTube called Local 58 um it's by this guy called Chris Straub and that leans really heavily into the VHS quality stuff like hard-coded texts Mm -hmm. on the video and stuff like that and uh, I won't go into detail but you should go watch that and that that really nails the scary scary vhs stuff really really well Mm. yeah there's there's something about um because obviously you know we'll come on to kind of optical media in a bit but you know the the way that you wrote um onto videos and uh cassettes and things like that that obviously that was like you said it's an analog process i think it was i'm not quite sure how it was done if it was something to do with magnets or there was something like that mm-hmm. to read and write onto the onto the tape itself, but the, the, it's a weird thing to say. But if you, I mean, I'm not much of a believer in the supernatural, but it almost seems more believable that you know you could have a tape created by some spooky thing, I could whereas a DVD yeah. you have to put into a computer and you can't really see the ghost sitting with the mouse and the keyboard to kind of no. <laughs> create a DVD of scary no. stuff. It's difficult. It's difficult for a ghost to interfere with a binary process, yeah. right? Whereas with a VHS cassette, you can imagine something dodgy going on there. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like, um, <laughs> the whole thing about Ring, um, the Japanese Ring film and the American Ring films as well. Is the scary cassette that kills you in seven days? You know, something supernatural created that. And I, I think, I think as we discussed before, that is something. There's something to that film as well that made VHS scarier too. I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the something that feels more. I think with VHS, it's like with books, there's something more tangible and more mysterious about them. Like you talk about how video cassettes in themselves, they kind of act as a bit of a time capsule. You don't know what's on them, and there's something that feels kind of clinical and cold with obviously the formats that came since, and that's why that worked with Ring. The idea of that mysterious cassette on a shelf, it just gives this creepy aura. Whereas if it was just the DVD spine. Or a file on a computer. I don't know. It's it's not the same. So no, that's true. Um, I think I think maybe the YouTube video could come close to replicating some of that. You don't know who uploaded yeah, it or where it came it. from. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Oh, there's a, there's a film. I don't know if you've seen this film called Unfriended. Um, oh, oh yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> I thought it quite scary actually. And then there's Unfriended <laughs> Dark Web as well. But there's the whole thing of, you know, these, these files and you have no idea what they are and where they've come from. You know, that kind of taps into that as well, I guess, mm-hmm. a bit. So, Yeah, I think another one... Uh, what's the name of that film with that bloke in it? That, that's helpful. Oh, that's all I can remember. You have to answer the question. No, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke, is it? Um, uh, that's got some scary v- VHS stuff in it, I'm sure. Uh, or, no, sorry, that might be like 8mm um, film. It's the one where those those reels that show people dying in horrendous ways in an attic into a house that they move into. I have no idea. No, 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 no one. No, no, don't know that one. Insidious. Insidious. Maybe so that that was. No, yeah, it's not. Ethan was in the Purge, but I can't. I don't think that was it. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you, you mean. Um, and then there was a, there's an entire film called VHS, which is about. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. And they actually released it on VHS as well, which is quite cool. Um, I'd love to track down a copy of that. That'd be interesting. But I would, I genuinely would, look, genuinely would love to have like a collection of horror films on VHS because I do think there's something mm. 
that makes it scary watching the old horror films you know like um nightmare on elm street or i know what you did last summer or scream those kind of kind of 80s 90s horror films well particularly in this country as well because um video nasties were a thing in the was it the late 80s Mm -hmm. um where films were being produced on uh home media that the um uk authorities considered too shocking and unsavory for the public so they would ban these films um and if you wanted to see them you would have to get them through more circuitous means which usually meant on a blank looking vhs cassette from your friend uh or bought off a market or something and it definitely made them seem more uh more sinister for that reason and by by the way the name of the film i was thinking of is uh, is sinister sinister okay oh, yeah. yeah you should go watch sinister it's good nice okay nice so we've worked out we need to start some oh. kind of horror podcast here um <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> um so just um kind of to deviate slightly away from um videos another tape-based media for cassettes does anybody have any oh. fond memories of tape cassettes yes yeah so uh yeah. i my very first album i guess was um recorded onto a uh onto a cassette tape from a friend's copy of a madness album mm-hmm. madness were like the first that was the first band and the first like music that i got into and i absolutely loved that cassette tape and yeah i had many more cassette tapes after that the other great thing about cassette tapes as well was that you could record your voice on them and i loved doing that and i did it all the time and me and my friends would create radio shows and and shit and yeah it was great yeah it's definitely something about the um the cassette in our youth was the way that we consumed music really i suppose like i, I think my mm-hmm. first music was on cassette and it was i can't remember which birthday it was i feel like it was my seventh birthday potentially um and i got given a walkman um like like one of the cheapy like one for kids you know they used to do the kiddie walkmans you could put your cassette in yeah it's a little bit more colorful um I got, oh yeah got one of those with a copy of enjoy it by kylie minogue um because of, course. I, of course yeah um I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mum knew from like birth that i was gay and just uh-huh. kind of <laughs> imparted kylie on me from that point onwards but um yeah it was that was the first one and i and i remember that to this day like i remember that particular cassette and receiving it so yeah something special about first music experiences and cassettes seem to go hand mm. in hand for our generation yeah. i think I don't know. yeah I, I still remember my uh my first single and album on cassette mm. uh quite questionable actually <laughs> Okay, go on. Um, my first single was the um, Simon Cowell produced um, WrestleMania by the WWF Superstars. Okay. <laughs> Which had a verse sung by Bret Hart, who was my favourite wrestler at the time. And he was like the greatest singer ever, in my opinion. Um, and then my first album, I believe, was the soundtrack for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Wow, <laughs> I was twelve Amazing. at that point. I was already too old for parents. But Amazing. I yeah. don't know that there is a worse answer to the question. <laughs> what was your first <laughs> album? I think that might be the worst answer. Maybe I thought Chili Peppers cover of Higher Ground in there. That's a good song. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I, I'm kind of starting to believe, Rich, that you are my brother because my brother also got that same WWF <laughs> single, and and he was obsessed with the Power Rangers. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> one and the same. Um, 
yeah, but I think I mean I think VHS definitely has more of a pull for me than cassettes. I don't know. This maybe it's just because I'm such a mm. big film fan, but um, yeah, cassettes were a, were a good media. Though I think that there is definitely something about being mm-hmm. able to record on them as well. And it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something you can't do with CDs. Really, you can't. You, well, you, I mean, you can record to a CD, but you you require a computer, and then you would have to have a program to record onto to create a file to then mm. put onto the CD. It's not like an instantaneous thing like you can do with a cassette. Yeah, it's it's interesting, really, because in a way, um, the, people who produce this content—films, TV shows, music—they've um, kind of took back control of the way we consume that stuff because mm. it's 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 important to note that both VHS and cassette tapes were incredibly disruptive in their day in terms of how people could consume media and if you got um a VCR in your house suddenly you had control over what you would want to watch and when and if stuff was shown on TV you could own it you could just yeah. record it and then it was yours forever. I remember I used to go around to my grandparents' house and, and they'd have, um, you know, you could buy like fancy VHS cassette cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they'd have a, a huge library of films that they'd recorded off TV. Mm-hmm. And we'd select, it was just, it was the most films I'd ever seen. And it was written in their, handri- in their handwriting on the spine in these fancy like brown fake leather cases um and that's how that's how they owned films was they you know stole them off the telly i guess um so you know it was really special at the time and and as disruptive as streaming is today i think in in that it's completely changed the way people consume films and tv but I think, yeah, the control in a way has kind of slipped away from the consumer. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it, it has. I mean, there's there's always been this struggle between um, copyright infringement and um, people wanting to have, like you say, that control over how, how and when they watch things. And so there's almost like this this shift. Like, you know, at first it was like, well, you watch what we want you to watch when we want you to watch it. You don't have a choice okay mm-hmm. vhs comes along now you can record it and watch it later or keep it and then they're like okay well um we're going to bring in dvds and you can't really record to dvds okay well we're going to bring in um what were they called pvr or D- no dvr dvr i think yeah. so you could record from the telly again but digitally and then they're like oh okay well now we're going to have it streaming so you can watch whatever you want when you want but it's only what we provide you on the internet with yeah um, and then you know it, it all becomes you know it's almost like they there's kind of a step up each time so you get control they take it away but but, but by giving you something new um, that kind of like says oh well, we're not going to let you record on VHS anymore but look now you can uh, record on this box that will automatically delete anything we don't want you to have I think as this progressed I think it's they found a way to kind of cram advertising back in front of our faces again because mm. I think when we got to VHS all the way through to like um, even DVR, it was a good way of skipping advertising as well. Whether it's VHS, you used to pause the ad breaks and you used to basically just leave mm-hmm. them out entirely, or fast forward through them if you did record them. And obviously the same with DVR, just fast forward through them. And now it's kind of like you can't escape it. You've got to have a full YouTube account if you want to skip the ads. You, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like the resurgence of advertising again. So mm. it's true, and, and you've got like the catch up services that are on. Um, commercial channels like channel 4 has the all four service you have to watch adverts before it will let you watch the program 
and it's like right mm. okay and then it will give you adverts in the places that the tv would normally put the adverts as well so it's i mean i get it to a degree you're not paying for it it's a free service but also it's it's very annoying <laughs> and you like you say rich they are kind of finding ways to yeah it's a reality of te- that's how television is paid for is mm. by and so it's kind of a reality of the thing but it's particularly agreed to some things like uh, or for an ITV player because it tends to be the same advert like over and over again uh, and yeah. it's tough when you're watching like something that, with some length to it it's tough to watch the same advert over and over again it is and, and adverts aren't like they used to be either I mean they used to be entire TV shows dedicated to funny and stupid adverts like Tarrant, Tarrant on TV oh, God, and TV. <laughs> don't get that anymore adverts are just so they're either bland or they're trying to be funny but they're not or they have some kind of big message because they realize that people won't just buy shit that they sell them anymore they have to have like a a reason for you to buy it now so it's just i don't know it's it's a bit at at least in the old days if you had to sit through adverts sometimes there'd be funny ones and you kind of look forward to certain Mm. adverts and now i can't think Mm. of an advert that i would even look forward to watching anymore there's there's nothing like that anymore they don't make adverts like the Vi- like the Vitalite one anymore, do they? No, no, exactly. Tango ones. You remember that one? one? Yeah. Tango. Yeah, the Tango Hot ones noodle. were good. Right, yeah. Always, always funny ones. I always remember used to come up towards like an impending console launch. I used to look for the ads for consoles. I used to be just such a fanboy. Whether it was N sixty four, Xbox, Dreamcast, I was like just where are the ads? And I just find that mind boggling now that that's how I was back then. Yeah. There are fantastic adverts for. Do you know? I, I can't remember. It might have been the SNES, uh, or maybe the Mega Drive. Anyway, it's got Rick Mail in it, and those oh, was, adverts are. Yeah, it was the SNES, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. And uh, just to circle back around, you can find all this stuff on YouTube, and it is invariably in VHS quality because that stuff is only still alive because people had it recorded onto. Uh, VHS tape. So when I remember those things from the past, I'm remembering them in B- in uh, VHS quality because that's the only way you can see it now. That's amazing. Mm. Um, so kind of we've we've talked briefly about two formats there. Like well, I say briefly, we've talked about cassettes briefly, and we talked at length about VHS. Um, Steve, we've been talking about things that we've missed or that we miss now that were out back then. Is are there any? like media formats or bits of tech that you really loved back then that you kind of wish was still around now? Um, I really loved my iPod mini. Mm. It, it wasn't until my iPod mini that I... I mean, I said I, I got into madness before then, but it, it wasn't until my iPod mini that I like properly started like exploring music and exploring my music tastes and and what music meant to me because it became like a private thing that i could just do for myself on this tiny device i didn't have to have um it probably says something about me i don't know but i i (laughs) it was important to me that my me exploring music was a private thing that i could do i didn't like having cds displayed um i was very wary of being judged for my music tastes so on my iPod Mini, I had this little, li- this li- little screen that was just for me, and it could hold a thousand songs. And yeah, I used that thing constantly. By the time I stopped using that, it was scuffed to fuck, and I'm surprised it still worked. I don't think it could hold a charge pro- properly. I went through lots of different sets of headphones, but uh, 
I love that thing. iTunes was, and as far as I understand, remains shit and hard <laughs> to use. But I put up with it because, um, yeah, the 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 yeah the i the iPod Mini was really important uh, in terms of my exploring music and discovering my taste. Yeah, and it was also just a really fucking impressive device as well. I mean, M M MP3 players existed before this. Mm. But they were basically just flash drives with rudimentary dot matrix menu that you you just click through MP3 files. Whereas the iPod, the original iPod, um, it was the first one to make it like really consumer friendly. I mean, it's it's a Apple product, so it's kind it's kind of their thing, or at least it was at the time uh, to make it really user friendly, and it just felt really good to use. Um, a thousand songs man on a on a like a credit card sized bit of metal yeah. that looked really pretty it was incredibly impressive uh, it, it also kind of started off it really popularized this idea of tech as like fashion as well they came in all kinds of colors and they looked awesome and they were you could like clip it to your clothes and look really cool with your ipod <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. I, I I definitely agree. And it it did. It was again. It came at that time where um the music industry were trying to beat piracy. So you had like mm -hmm. was it LimeWire, LimeWire, Napster, all that kind of stuff where you could download MP3s for free. And Apple came along and were like, actually, here you go. Here's a store where you can pay for your MP3s, and here's a cool device that you can listen to them on. Um, so they were trying to get you know. And this was the time that people were being like prosecuted quite a lot for downloading stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, like it was really, it was really ramping up the whole piracy thing. Was was getting to a head. I think it's the point where I think, I, I think, you know, I, I think, every, I think if you if you didn't download something from a torrent site or something back in the day, if you claim not to have, you're lying because I'm sure everybody downloaded music for free back then. It was just the wild west of, it was the wild west of um, of, of music back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think what Apple were really smart in doing is that, you know, they allowed music companies, record companies to make money from their music again. But even even more smart is that they made it so the consumer wanted to use their product. You know, they they were fine yeah. with dropping, downloading the music for free because they had this new way of doing it where it was cool to have this, you know, little device that they could carry with them. And it was, it was like you say, more user-friendly. Um, I mean, I think the first iPod I ever got was the iPod Shuffle, which is like this teeny tiny little oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. I think it was like 512 megabytes or something. So I can't remember, it was like 400 songs it could hold or possibly 200 actually. And um, that was like, to me, that was like absolutely amazing. Like there was no screen or anything. That was my first proper MP3 mm. player and I could just kind of go through my songs and it would like literally clip to my belt. It was so small. Um yeah was that the one that, was that the one that looked like a little stick of gum yeah mm -hmm. yeah Teeny they tiny. were cool i had one of those as well yeah and they had like the built-in belt clip like back when things used to go on your belt um which nothing that's right anymore. yeah um, <laughs> so that was really awesome but uh, and also um i think like you said itunes um being difficult to use that would that went through iterations as well during this time period i mean there was a time period it, it was a time during this period where you had to literally plug your device into the computer in order to then mm -hmm. manually move items back and forth between the device, and that would take forever and be annoying. Yeah, well, I mean, you couldn't... With with iTunes and your iPod, they had to sync. Mm, 
So I remember I wanted to put one album on there, but it wouldn't let me. I'd have to sync my entire library to my to my iPod, mm-hmm. and I think that did change eventually. But it you had it was really complicated to leave stuff off, and I was never sure if I was deleting it from my computer or my iPod. It was not really clear. Yeah. Um. I I haven't used iTunes in a long time, but uh, from what I hear, it's like still not fantastic. But I mean, it didn't matter at the time because you were no. doing something that you've never done before and it was great i mean now it's not so bad because you don't have to connect it to anything it will just download music you bought directly to your phone mm-hmm. um, that's true yeah you know yeah. there's there's nothing like you know you don't need to be worried that you're deleting it from anywhere if it's del- if, it, if you do delete it from your phone it's still in the cloud um the whole you know the, when the cloud came along you didn't have to worry about you know whether it was saved to your pc or not because it's always available to you um so that was the thing but that that wasn't even a thing kind of 2008 and prior um yeah ipods were just great tech they they kind of took the i mean the mp3 player itself was a product of the period that we're talking about and the ipod was kind of the distillation of all of this Mm. um mp3 player tech of the time just made it into this cool product to own i mean rich i don't know did you did you have an mp3 player at the time or did you have an ipod Um, there is a iPod Nano kicking around here somewhere, but it's not mine. My first MP3 player was a creative one. Um, little square thing. Was your standard, like what Steve said, you know, dot matrix display. Basically, I had to plug it into my laptop. Basically, I used to just basically um, copy, rip CDs to my laptop and then used to export the folders to the uh, player. So it was very convoluted, very, very primitive, but... Even at the time, I loved it. I think it was only like a two gig machine, but it used to get about five hundred, I think, songs in there, maybe. Nice. But yeah, no, I think it was great. I ended up dropping it down the toilet though, so unfortunately, that's how I died. <laughs> so. uh, but that was my first one. I think after that, I did, I did not know. This was purely an accident. <laughs> this wasn't out of free will. So, but no, I yeah, I loved it at the time. It was just like space you know space space age technology i was just walking along the street 500 songs in my pocket it's just it was surreal at the time and we take it for granted now but yeah back then it was just uh it was nuts whenever i buy a new piece of tech i always just think that a timer has started until it goes down the toilet at some point yeah. it always feels inevitable to me mm. <laughs> are you saying that it kind just, of did it, in the past do you do did it not feel like that or is it just nowadays that it feels like that no no sorry i mean literally in response to rich dropping his mp3 day three player down the toilet uh, oh, I whenever see. i buy a new phone i'm like <laughs> someday this is going in the toilet i think i've only ever dropped one thing in the toilet i don't understand like it's like when people drop their phones and crack the screens constantly it's like how do you do that i don't understand how people are so clumsy um yeah, right. <laughs> I've always been fantastic with tech. I've always been be perfect, very good. Andrew. I've looked after it. But yeah. that was the one time I had a real like oops moment and yeah, not not since. Yeah. It happens sometimes. Sometimes Steve, only sometimes. Um so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, MP3 is like the, I mean, MP3 is still with us technically. It's just kind of changed a lot yeah. now to streaming. It's all just um, it's all just like obfuscated now i mean file formats generally mm. you just yeah that's just not the way we consume stuff anymore no it doesn't matter how, how it comes oh, to it, us it just it, it just arrives yeah. now also 
important to know it is arguable that the ipod made apple what it is right mm. is, that, mm-hmm. is that fair to say yeah i mean before then it was computers that were popular but they were not the mainstream mm. it was the ipod and then the ipod touch and then the iphone well did the iphone come before the ipod touch no ipod touch was um, first because i remember having an ipod touch was it yeah yeah pretty sure and then obviously apple is what it is now yeah yeah it's um i mean it's a genius product and it's kind of you know it's it's helped them become this absolutely huge company but yeah it's 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 a much more modern file format and tech than probably some of the other things that we might also discuss um so just to kind of move on slightly away from that then some of some of the things so i recently have got into a proper optical media kick because everything is online now everything is digital you know a lot of people buy all their games digitally for the switch or whatever console they have i know you do that quite a lot steve you're you're kind of a digital proponent because it's right there Mm -hmm. you don't have to down you know you don't have to stick a disc in you can play it whenever uh, which is great fantastic um but i don't know there's something for me about discs of various types um and kind of looking back one type of disc which i think and barely didn't do as well as it should have done was the mini disc i don't know if anybody has any particular memories of that 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 was i before i got my ipod shuffle um it was kind of between the cd walkman i used to have like one of those walkmans that you had that you put cds in that would skip every time you kind of moved it slightly <laughs> um <laughs> between that and the ipod shuffle i got a mini disc player um i think it was in my first year of university maybe second year of university and um, I decided this was going to be like the best new thing for music. You could put MP3s on it. Um, you could, you know, you could record on it like a tape, like a cassette. You could actually record yourself on the mini disc. You didn't have to like do it through the computer. So it was this like new thing was going to overtake the cassette um, and was going to kind of go into the into the new millennium. Um, and I, I really liked it, but. It kind of, I think it came at the wrong time because it came just as MP3 players were taking off, and mm. it, it didn't do as well. But it's a really cool piece of kit. It's like a little mini disc, uh, optical disc inside a plastic case, and it has um, the ability to record directly from whatever device that you have. So if you have a microphone and the mini disc player, you can record directly onto the mini disc, which is like was amazing to me. So it also meant that you oh, could, that's cool. Yeah. So you, and you could record CDs onto it. So you could you had like a, a hi-fi that had mini disc and cd you could record your cd to the mini disc or if you had a computer nice. you could plug your mini disc player into it and record mp3s onto it so it was this it was this middle ground between the kind of the cassette vhs type stuff that we had and then the mp3 world it was kind of like yeah it was pretty cool um did anybody else have one or have any experience with one so- I I didn't I didn't know any of that about min, mini disc players because I have zero memories of these. Uh, they were very much on my peri- on my on my periphery at the time. I just assumed that was expensive technology for rich folk, so I, <laughs> I just didn't really pay much mind to it, to be honest. Rich, what about you? No, other than what one friend at school used to bang on about them, um, I've had I've had a zero experience contact no memories at all of this format always known about it i've always been intrigued by it simply because i'd never come in contact i think i've watched a few youtube videos in the past because i still even now i feel like i know like 10 percent of what they do 
until today, obviously, when you've actually filled in a lot of blanks for me. Um, yeah, no, I've never, never really had time for mini disc. So yeah, I mean, I, sad, I, I, I like, I like the sound of having this versatile little device about your person that you can mm. record stuff on. Sounds pretty yeah. cool. I mean, you know, your phone does it all now, but I can see True. the attraction to that at the time. Yeah, it's it, it is what it's a device that does everything. I mean, weirdly, it's it, so it kind of it was when did it start? It was kind of like the mid. There was the early '90s that mini disc kind of took off, and um, it, it died kind of going into like um, I think the early to mid 2000s. I think it was 2013 that it kind of ceased to be a um, a thing. However, in Japan, they still manufacture mini discs because people use them as kind of dictaphones. Um, so they will still use yeah, yeah. mini distance, which is I can like, see that yeah. yeah, which is crazy. But uh, weirdly as well, I mean, it's a, so it's a Sony developed, um, you know, piece of, of of tech. Sony developed mini disc and players and everything like that. Um, and uh, they actually did for a while. I mean, Sony has its own record label. They actually tried to sell pre-recorded mini discs. You know, like a like a CD or a vinyl or whatever. You know, you buy music that way. They actually try to do it with mini disc so there there exists kind of a, I think it's like a few hundred releases from different artists on Sony's various labels on mini disc um, so they're kind of like boxed up almost like a cassette with like a you know like a jewel case and uh, you can't record on them they do the whole thing like with a tape or a, you know a VHS where you, you know you were talking about having to snap the little tab off to be able to record on it mm. they kind of make sure you can't record and it be kind of by kind of making it impossible to um, open the so there's a um there's a way that you recorded on it basically you had to the mini disc had a little so it's in a plastic container and then if you're listening to this you're obviously looking now on on google to see what mini disc look like if you've never seen one but it had this <laughs> um, metal piece that kind of sli- that slides backwards and forwards um and um on a regular mini disc whenever you put the mini disc in it would slide the whole thing um back and the underneath is where the data would play and on top there was like a little magnet uh, magnetic thing and that's what would write the data to it so it would slide the whole thing back if you were writing data to it then this little arm would kind of write data to the top of the disc which would then be read by the underside however if you bought like a commercially made like you know for instance if you bought like a Celine Dion album on mini disc the top part would never open so you could never record over it basically Um, it would stay closed so the whole thing was just like amazing. It was like this this whole um, piece of tech that Sony made that unfortunately just didn't really go anywhere because it came out at the wrong time. Either people were using CDs or they jumped to, to MP3, and there was very few people who kind of like used mini disc in the middle. But it's it's a really interesting piece of kit, and it kind of it tried to be um, the cassette of the digital age, and unfortunately just didn't get mm-hmm. where it needs to go. But I I love it. I I, Something... I really want one again. There's something about that little plastic box um, that's very like retro future. It feels like it, it kind of looks like what you'd see in an anime from the 80s, and uh, I think that's very attractive. I yeah. like it. It's good. Yeah, and it's kind of got the like the if you, if you took out the mini disc, that would basically be a GameCube disc as well. So the tiny little discs that that's, they had. That's why I was wondering. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just miss mechanisms in general now. That's something that's just gone. Um, I don't think we'll ever have them back. Whether it's VHS, mini disc. Do you miss it, or do you have nostalgia for it? Because it, I it probably is nostalgia. 
because I mean, do you remember rewinding cassette tapes? I felt oh, yeah. like they were going to explode when I was doing the ass. <laughs> Absolutely pain in the ass, but it's just something. There's a real kind of a beauty about it. It's yeah, you know, some real like craft went into that. And I'm not saying it doesn't yeah, go yeah, to, yeah. doesn't go into new technology. Of course it does, but it's all very clinical. You don't see it, you don't hear it, and I miss that. I do, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, nostalgia. I mean, you know, a VHS tape is ba- ba- is I mean, it's consumer grade, but it is an in like it's it feels like a very industrial like it's got holes in exactly the right place because it, there is another machine that interacts with it very specifically. It is mm. strange to think that consumer grade stuff like this used to be these clicky clacky mechanical. I mean, if you stick your hand in a VCR, it feel it kind of feels like it's going to mangle it off. Mm-hmm. So many moving parts and spinny bits, and it's yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. So obviously that meant that there was more to go wrong as well which meant that there was a whole economy around repairing stuff as well you just don't see that anymore mm-hmm. no yeah. I mean there, there definitely is this, it's the nostalgia for the fact that that's what we experience as kids and I suppose if you didn't experience that as a child or as an adult even I suppose um, back then perhaps it wouldn't mean anything to you now but there, there's a whole industry now though around things like vinyl and cassettes the fact that people mm-hmm. are, are buying those in huge amounts so i was surprised that cassettes are quite so big as they are uh vinyl yeah, especially really? what cassettes mm-hmm. yeah cassettes I mean, are like vinyl, been so there are people that make an argument that vinyl sounds better and i think yeah. there is a discussion there but cassettes surprises me because that they're objectively worse than, than <laughs> any quality guardian i think guardians of the galaxy did that to be fair perhaps yeah, yeah maybe yeah yeah maybe. <laughs> there's definitely maybe. yeah they're, 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 <laughs> There's definitely an argument about vinyl. I mean, I, I'm I'm a vinyl collector. I love vinyl. I, I listen to it in the worst way because I listen to it through Bluetooth speakers because I don't have a proper speaker set. So if anybody's <laughs> listening and they're a proper vinyl aficionado, I know I'm doing it wrong. Please don't please don't at me. I'm doing it completely wrong. But it's the only way I can listen to them at the moment. And it's something at least. I can feel it's more warm. The the, the sound is warm, as everybody likes to say about vinyl. Um, but even through digital, you know even through Bluetooth speakers, I can kind of feel that. But yeah, I guess cassette. I don't know, maybe there is that warm sound through cassette as well, because it is kind of being read from a tape rather than just ones and zeros from the internet. I, I guess so, but I, but I would never... Like, if 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 given the... Ch- I mean, I've explained my feelings on VHS quality stuff, but if given the chance to watch Jurassic Park, for example, and I get the choice between the Blu-ray and the cassette, I'm going to go for the Blu-ray. But sure. with vinyl, if you give somebody the choice, you can listen to Led Zeppelin on your phone or, you know, with he- headphones or through vinyl. Many people would choose vinyl because they because it is objectively better, according to a lot of pe- people. So I'm kind of surprised that people would still want to watch things on VHS. Like, you know, it's a matter of it's a ma- it's you know, it's in, there are there's less information on a VHS, you know that's what it means when it's low, when it's lower quality. So you're watching an inferior version of the film. So I don't know why anyone. Will. I'm just going to assume that they're all hip, they're all hipsters and they're all pretending to prefer <laughs> VHS. It's got a warmer, it's got a warmer quality to it. You know, I just prefer it. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Steve, that I'm a hipster. Uh, thanks. thanks no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that was a really funny. St- it was a really funny story. My poor old dad. Remember back in the day, like the advent of CD. And my dad obviously was a real vinyl aficionado. Had so many records. Had a nice, he had the proper like sweet 
setup. Like, I forget what Brandy's uh, record player was now. I think it was like probably like a Denon or Marantz or something. Proper good British hi-fi brands. And he part exchanged it at a hi-fi store. They told him CD's the future. It sounds better. It's going to blow vinyl out of the water. They took off his hands. He bought a CD player and he regretted it every day afterwards. And <laughs> I don't think he's ever had vinyl since. And I think he does want to get vinyl again, but it's just, it makes you realize when you go back now how much you just think technology is going to be better, but until you actually hear it or see it, I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for, you know, hipsters enjoying inferior uh, formats, but I do agree that vinyl is superior. What little time I've had with it, but it does feel more alive, it feels more authentic. Something's a bit too clinical about CD, and I've never loved it too much, so... No, I, want, yeah. I do want vinyl, um, but I would never listen to it, so I wouldn't bother. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the thing. There's, there's the whole um, there's a subsection of people who want to own vinyl because it's cool um, to own vinyl, and like you say, they won't listen to it. I'm sure in, in your case, Rich, it's just because it's the convenience of it. You have to literally put the vinyl on and listen to it through, and it's just so much easier now just to you know kind of put your music on your phone or whatever but there are people who will just literally yeah. want to collect it and just keep it and not play it i'm definitely not in that camp i, I listen to my vinyl all the time and um yeah it's it's a great format my my best story about vinyl is the fact that my mum found out that vinyl was coming back into fashion again like when i started collecting it a few years ago i'm just like oh damn it i i, I gave all of my vinyl away like 10 20 years ago to the neighbor because you know we nobody was having anymore had like had like pink floyd and all these queen albums basically all the vinyl that now everybody seeks because it's like this amazing you know the amazing artists and the vinyl is really rare and i was like oh mum <laughs> really that's, that's what happens <laughs> like it's like with vhs you just like you have all these um copies of films that you bought on vhs and they just become worthless because you know better better formats come out like everybody mm. had titanic on titanic on vhs Back in the 90s you know like that was the film everybody had and that there must be so many copies of titanic on vhs in charity shops around the country now because everybody just got rid and either got the dvd copy or just watch it on netflix it's mm-hmm. it is ridiculous how it just goes just out so quickly. tons and tons of worthless plastic yeah absolutely yeah. and uh we wonder why we're in a bit of a pickle with the environment now um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean uh, yeah uh, I mean, talking about uh, kind of optical formats. Um, moving on to that, we talked about mini disc. Um, the big optical format that came out um, in this particular period was, of course, DVD. Um, there's probably not too much point in us dwelling too much on it because DVD is still a current format, and there's not a huge mm-hmm. amount that we can say about it really. But I mean, do you remember when DVD came out? Was it a big? Was it a big game changer for for you particularly? So the, the the first DVD I watched was I Know What You Did Last Summer and we watched it at your house uh, in your dining room because that's where your computer was mm-hmm. um, and that was the only means we had to watch DVDs and it was like a cool novelty because we're watching a film on a computer. That's super weird and it was on a disc and that's yeah. crazy. Uh, I remember kind of being skeptical about it as well. I was like, this can never be as good, surely. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, Ronin on the DVD, and I remember being convinced that it looked more pixely and computery. And there's a scene in Ronin where a car peels out and it's do- do- 
doing a wheel spin before it drives off and the smoke looked really shit and like really <laughs> computery uh, and I was like, DVDs, man, they're just, it, they look bad. Um, I've since learned that that is CGI smoke that they added into that film. Wow. And it it, it always looks that bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't have a super high opinion of it. Uh, obviously that changed because, you know, I, it, DVDs became what they were. And yeah. I, I, I learned the error of my ways. But yeah, I had shitloads of those things. Yeah. I mean, the the the... the physical space that they took up was so small that you could just have racks and racks and racks and racks of those things uh, before you know it as you well know andrew you can end up with uh, a very large collection and i had a very large collection yes 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 i know that well um just to correct you as well the film that we watched was i still know what you did last summer Um, oh sorry i do apologize um the sequel and um i remember very well because also i think i got it for my birthday i think it was my birthday that you came around on and we watched on the Mm -hmm. computer and um i remember as well it was the time when dvds had all plastic um like clear plastic cases Um, yeah they were like quite tall i remember those Mm -hmm. warner brother things they were terrible the cardboardy ones yeah, the snap cases, the well, yeah, the yeah. cardboard with like the little plastic clip spine. Well, it wasn't the spine; it was the other end. But it was just like eventually, Warner Brothers saw sense and phased them out. But they were yeah. awful. I remember having the Matrix on on DVD that had that case. That was yeah, that was terrible. And yeah, they had the yeah. weird like little things that you could take off. Like was it proof of purchase that they used to have on the cardboard? Oh, yeah. And it had like um, perforation. I was like, what would you ever need that for? Why do you need proof of purchase? I'm guessing it was like an American thing. I don't know, but. Um, so yeah, not much point in kind of dwelling on DVD. Like like you said, Steve, like um, people still collect it. I still collect DVD to this day. The, unfortunately, weirdly, Blu-ray came in, but you don't get all media on Blu-ray anymore. Like a lot of TV shows are never released on Blu-ray; they only get released to DVD. So if you want to own them really digitally, yes, a lot. So things like The Good Wife, like I'm a huge fan of The Good Wife, that never got released to Blu-ray, only DVD. Um, yeah. So it's just yeah, I think if it's if it's a really successful show like Game of Thrones or something like that, they will release it to Blu-ray, possibly 4K. Are um, less successful. Are Blu-ray players standard? Can they play div- DVDs as standard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So it's back I've never owned possible, one. So. Upscales, upscales as well to a small degree. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. They are. I mean, yeah. Blu-ray, like you say, is vastly superior. I mean, DVDs, though, I don't see a huge issue with. Like, they're still, you know, they're still fine to watch. There's an absolute. They're fine. The they're fine. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, um, I, I, so I moved house last year, and I didn't have the internet for the first few days, so I watched some Blu-rays, and I, I, you know, I'd spent so long watching streaming television and films that I didn't realize just how good quality a Blu-ray is by comparison. Right. I mean, Netflix looks great. But I watched Apocalypse Now on Blu-ray, and man, that blew me away. The resolution on that thing is it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the sad fact is that most places in the UK don't have decent enough internet speeds to mm. um, kind of have good quality streaming. Like, I, I know I can't, I could, there's no way I could do full streaming where I live because my internet just isn't fast enough for it. Um, and, and HD is only just. So, yeah. The, the, the thing is that people don't like physical media so much anymore but it is the best way to watch most films because it is for sure yeah. it's, it's uncompressed it's you know it's much more it's, at least the compression is much less than streaming you know it's just much better but um 
I mean, there was, there was a thing in between, and I don't know how much you two remember of this, but so just like Betamax and VHS, um, there was a bit of a war between those two formats. There's also a war between Blu-ray and HD DVD. Does anybody remember this? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I remember really wanting to get one of those um, drives for the Xbox 360. Yeah. Never did buy it, though. So, Sorry. Pretty, I feel like it was that basically one of the only ways you could watch HD DVD as well. I don't remember them being like standalone players or anything. I think there obviously were some players there. I don't know if it was just certain companies were producing, if it was just the likes of like Pioneer, but it, it was very limited. I remember for the longest time, even Blu-ray, it was like only really coming out from like Sony and Pioneer. But I think mm-hmm. even at the end of HD DVD's life, I think it was still a limited pool of brand players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine Xbox 360 is probably the most popular way to play. Um, yeah. But yeah. It was really short-lived. It was 2006 mm. to 2008. So it was two years of HD DVD. Um, so it's not much. I mean, I thought like mini disc was very niche, um, but mini disc technically went on for over twenty years um, as a, yeah. as a as a thing that was actually produced. Whereas HD DVD had two years and that was it. So there was a very limited number of films. I mean, Steve, have you ever did you ever own a HD DVD? Was it something you wanted or? No, never. So no. I tend to I tend to come to these things kind of late because I, I I watch the scrap happen first and then I'll adopt the one that won because I don't want to waste my money. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of yeah I kind of stayed out of the Blu-ray HD DVD race. Yeah, this is fair. I think a lot of people did. I remember one of my friends. I think when I lived in Manchester many many moons ago now, um, I lived with uh, Zoe, uh, my friend Zoe. Uh, oh yeah, she was my landlady amazing she had like the best like she had she had a loft converted and um she had like a projector up there and like an xbox 360 and all that kind of stuff i used to sit up there and play deep uh, deep space like uh dead space 2 on the projector and it was the most scary thing ever but i do remember also she bought into hd dvd when it first came out she was like a huge xbox fan like massive like she would not even consider a playstation she just loved xbox so much she played a lot of games like online with her clan and stuff like that. So she bought a HD DVD player um, for her Xbox 360. And I think she bought like two or three discs. And then I think before I knew it, it kind of just sat in the corner and never used. It was just like, a, you know, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was outdated before it began really. I think it was, it, it was never, it was, I don't think it was ever in any question that Blu-ray would win. Like Blu-ray was the yeah. same, it was by the same people who made DVD. So yeah, I, I think I don't know if there was actually a noticeable difference in quality between the two, but I think it was similar to kind of the whole VHS Betamax war. People always say Betamax was a better quality format, but VHS won because of better marketing. Um, so right. I think probably Sony probably just had Sony being Sony just had more marketing might, and that's why Blu-ray kind of just pushed HD DVD out into the cold. Um, but I can't say for sure. I think I've only watched one HD DVD and it was Transformers. Um, okay. But I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't, know, don't judge. Uh, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> that was a good film. Go to hell. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. But anyway, um, I can't say there was really probably much of a difference in quality. I think it just came down to the, the market not needing two similar formats and Sony mm. just having more marketing savvy, really. Was Panas was it mainly Panasonic that was pushing HD DVD or was it like a combination of different studios? I can't remember. 
Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. No, was, no idea. No, no idea. it was definitely certain studios, but I mean, I think the, the the issue really, and the reason that it won, is pretty much the same reason that the PS2 won over the Dreamcast, and it's that the um it had a console that had it built in. Like the PS2 was the mm. first console that had yes. DVD, and the PS3 was the first console that had Blu-ray. So, you know, those they're not True. they're not stupid, Sony. They know that people use consoles for more than just games. Well, they they did from PS2 onwards. So, you know, they wanted to make sure that the newest mm. format was in there. Like, the the fact that the Xbox 360 required you to have an add-on to watch HD DVD wasn't even built into Terrible. the 360. You know, it was a bit... Um, it's a bit weird. But, yeah, I think that's... Very shit. I mean, I've, I've, I've never owned a DVD player in my life. I've never owned a Blu-ray player in my life. It's all been through the games consoles. So, so yes, they were very smart to include that functionality in their, game, in their games consoles. Definitely. Yeah. Um talking about game consoles um so i mean we're not going to talk about games consoles as kind of tech platforms here because you know we can do that later and talk about different platforms in their own deep dives but there are particular media formats that certain consoles took on that kind of stopped Uh, the biggest one being again sony they did the mini disc you know a, a small disc covered in plastic they then released the psp which had the UMD, which was, again, a small disc covered in plastic that would go into uh, the PSP to play games, play movies. Um, has any, did anybody have a PSP? Do they remember the UMD mm-hmm. at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah. That, that, was, that was a really cool format. I remember when I first looked at the disc when I bought my PSP. Um, yeah, it was just really quite fascinating, especially for someone that never had like the likes of disc. It just looked very new and novel. I was like, oh, this is different. I'm looking at a little CD, but it's like, you know, encased in plastic. It's protected. I can't fuck it up by grabbing it. So, um, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, don't think I actually owned any films on UMD. I was just games, but I did loan a few for my friends. And that in itself was quite a weird experience. But I know we'll touch upon that anyway with the films. Yeah, so I, I also had a PSP. I didn't own any films on UMD, but uh, I did watch the first few seasons of Lost on my PSP. Given that they were never released on UMD, I'll just I'll just let you come to conclusions about that one. Um, the UMDs also had that um, they had that anime quality to it, mm. like it felt like a, a retro futurist. Mm. Um, medium and i enjoyed that i enjoyed that about them when i when i bought my psp though i kind of knew i was buying something that was destined to fail so i mean it was relatively short-lived as a system and umd never even close to taking off as a as a as a format sadly it's weird because like the, the psp sold particularly well like the vita didn't do very well but the psp as a, hand, as a handheld did pretty well and uh, mm-hmm. you know the umd therefore technically did well as a byproduct of the PSP doing well but it was like you say there was only it was a very specific time period in which UMD was available you know which was basically the time period the PSP was available um, and there was never any other way to play the UMD movies outside of the PSP like you, there was no UMD player that you could kind of plug yeah. into your TV um, the only way that you could do it is I think you, I have them now that you can buy uh, component cables, I think, that plug from your PSP into your TV. Or oh, I don't know if it's even component. I think it's um, just AV cables. Um, you plug in, and so you can watch it that way through your TV. Um, but you have to have a PSP still. So they they never like with some of their other formats. You know, hey, um, mini disc. They let other people create, 
you know, like hi-fi systems or portable players, mm. or they even they, they did with Minidisc. They did have um, uh, a system that you could plug into a computer, so you could put um, like data onto a Minidisc, not just music or anything. You could put like computer data onto them. But with the UMD, they didn't do anything like that. They they just kept it as its proprietary PSP format. Yeah. Do you think it could have done better if they'd have kind of widened its reach? Was it was it a format that had more reach than I, I, the PSP? I, I think you. I mean, think about the pitch of UMD, right? It, you can have, you can buy maybe some of your favorite stuff, certainly anything owned by Sony, and then you can watch it wherever you are. You can watch it. Like, have you got a train journey coming up? Take Spider Man with you, and you can watch Spider Man on the train. Mm. Like people do that now, True. and pe- people can't get on a train without being a- being able to do that now. It's a huge thing. Um, I guess it was just before its time. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I I guess as well maybe people only do that because they already have it in their pockets like they do on their phone now obviously. So maybe the idea of buying a device specifically for that it was perhaps not attractive to people then. But I mean the pitch is solid because obviously that has now become watching media on our phones. Bit of a segue quick, can I just give one shout out to the guy that I used to see on my train before the whole world changed. Um, he used to burn Sky Sports to DVD and then play it on a portable DVD player on the train. Wow. <laughs> I was just That's like amazing. flabbergasted. Like I was just my draw. I was like, I hats off to your commitment in the year 2020 <laughs> to do this. And I was like, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> that is pretty great. And the fact that he's still using a portable DVD player, that is... That is madness. Um, I would just worry yeah. about, like, if you, especially if you're on a train. I mean, I suppose with, with DVDs and stuff, there's anti-skip technology. But, I mean, a PSP, though, like, I don't know if that was anti-skip or not, but I do remember it being very loud. And when you jiggled the PSP, you could feel the UMD inside jiggling as well. And that always yeah. felt very precarious. Well, I think the way the way PSPs worked, I, I think they pulled what they needed off the disc and stored it in RAM. I don't, I don't think it was reading in real time as it spun mm. around. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, though. I don't know. I mean, they had that technology with, after a while with CD Walkmans. They'd do that. They'd have like a very mm-hmm. small amount of memory on the actual device so it wouldn't skip. And they did that with Minidisc as well after a while. So I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, mean, I don't know. I just I always felt like UMD, they could have... I mean, it, it was DVD quality as well. So if you, if you had like a movie on UMD, it was the same qualities as a DVD, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um... But obviously there I bet it looked space. real nice on that small screen as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few. There's some really, you know, I've I've got like Final Fantasy Spirits within. Looks pretty nice. Um, you know, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> looks really well, good. I think I only, I think I watched the only film I ever watched on UMD was um, Romeo Must Die. I think that oh, was it. Love that film. Yeah, another classic. <laughs> Great film, amazing film. I thought you were going to say Transformers again. Like you just watch Transformers oh. on every device that you have. <laughs> Was uh, Romeo Must Die the one where that guy's got the suitcase and then the suitcase drops away and it turns out that the handle is the top of a machine gun? Uh, and there's a machine gun hidden inside the suitcase. Was poss- that that film? Possibly. I know it's the one where you got to see, like, when, when um, Jet Li was, like, fighting people and occasionally he would break their bones and it would do, like, an x ray view and show you the broken oh, bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> and also yeah. one of the only films, one of only two films that Aaliyah was in. And Aaliyah was amazing in that film. So, um,. A big Aaliyah fan, um, but yeah, it was. <laughs> Romeo Must Die was a great film. Um, I didn't realise it was on UMD because I'm going to have to snap maybe, that. 
Unless I'm getting that mixed up with um, what's the other one called Jet Li? Was it Kiss of the Dragon? Kiss the Dragon, yeah, and it's the one. That's as well. the one. Mm. Remy Must Die had on DVD. Okay, I'm getting my my Jet Li films mixed up. Well, hopefully yeah. it's on UMDs. You can get it. But it was Kiss of the Dragon. There are maybe good maybe films, you then. watched Romeo Must Die in the same way that I watched Lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, great format. And, and plus the fact PSP also had its own proprietary memory card as well, didn't it? Or it was the same memory card that Sony used for their digital cameras, I think, I believe. I don't remember now. It was a, it was a very it was a precursor to SD cards, but it was it mm. was Sony's it's Sony's proprietary kind of card format that they use for their cameras and PSP, I believe. Yeah, I don't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised because it was the same situation on the Vita and it sucked because they were really expensive. Yeah, the Vita was definitely bad for that. Yeah, for sure. Can you say with PSP of all the consoles I've ever owned, I feel like I remember so little about the PSP. Mm-hmm. How yeah, it same. felt, how yeah. it sounded, how I loaded the the you know the discs i just cannot remember anything i remember the two games i got when i first bought one but mm. that is it wow sounds like you need to try i remember again. The, <laughs> yeah i remember then then i remember of all the things i remember the, the uh, natasha beddingfield video that was pre-installed on it when i got it <laughs> wow <laughs> um, that was it <laughs> yeah that's it so i've, I've had a look so. the um the storage medium was memory stick duo uh, okay ah uh, yeah yeah so that was okay. that but um yeah, the PSP was. I mean, the PSP lasted from 2005 to like 2014, so it was. Uh, you know, it lasted for a good nine years, wow. which is a long, a long old time, really. Um, yeah. I feel like is that are we talking Japan here? Because handhelds in Japan are massive. I, I, they are. I, I don't know. I, well, I feel like a, in the UK or in Europe, the PSP just kind of barely mattered at all to anyone. I don't know. Well, so just so you know, just to, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia here because, of course, that's where everybody finds their information. It released in Japan in on December 12th, 2004, but it released in Europe on September the 1st, 2005, so about a year later. And weirdly mm. enough, in Japan, it got discontinued in June 2014, but in Europe, it got discontinued in December 2014. So, huh. yeah. Very strange. I think it did particularly well here because if you go into any any store, any any branch of CEX, you will find a shitload of UMD movies and a shitload of PSP games. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's one of those one of those consoles. Mm. So I want to get I want to play Loco Roco again. So I might need to get a PSP now. <laughs> I love just that, that game. game so I would say that was Nothing. fantastic. Yeah, that was great a great game. game. Music. Oh. Uh, we're just getting into PSP. We're going to have to do like a deep dive on the PSP. I think. At this point, <laughs> what we need to do. Um, but it did sell eighty to eighty-two million units worldwide. That is a lot for a. That's not bad. Wow. I, I, do so you know what? I think really well. part of it is because part of that is because it was quite an open system. You could you could mm. do a lot on a PSP um, that it was not intended True. to do. So I know it was very popular amongst yeah. homebrew folk. Yeah, and it, it was one of the first consoles as well that was very much like home console type games on the go like you know ds mm-hmm, and game mm-hmm. Boy and stuff were you know they always felt like a generation behind but psp felt like it was on the cusp of the current generation like it was nearly just about you know where that where that yeah. was um i don't know P- psp yeah it was i think it was an underrated system but it was certainly did fairly well it, yeah yeah, yeah for sure mm. um and the umd was part of that of course and I think when you look at CEX, like I mean, I bought a few 
movies and stuff. I mean, it had stuff like Little Britain on it. You could buy the UMD of Little Britain. Um, maybe it doesn't hold up so well now. Um, but a lot of just very British <laughs> things were, were released to it, which is very interesting. So, yeah. The only thing I meant, the only other thing I mentioned in the opening was dial-up internet. Um, I mean, that in itself brings back oh, nostalgia oh, for anybody. <laughs> I mean, just just oh, the God. noises mm, of that. <laughs> yeah, and the having to wait for it to connect. Yeah, and the anxiety of not knowing if you were still connected or not. Like, I, I think I don't know if this was true of all dial-up, but our ISP certainly had a cut had a cut-off point. If you if you were idle, if you if you hadn't made any um, queries in at least ten minutes, it would just stop being connected to the internet anymore wow, so if cool. i spent longer than 10 minutes writing an email i by the time i went to click send it was just oh i'm not on the internet anymore great <laughs> that's weird <laughs> that is, that is odd. that's odd to think about that it would do that i mean you know wi-fi and stuff will disconnect randomly now but it's not like you'd have to then kind of dial the internet again i mean that's what you were doing essentially you were no. dialing the internet you were you were ringing the internet to connect to it it's just i still remember crazy that sound something. yeah and it's not even just that sounds the classic. I still remember the Dreamcast one as well. Like I remember yeah. that just as well. It's more quite echoing. Felt quite, quite. It must felt quite ghost-like compared to the original one. It just the standard dialing tone. It just the same about the Dreamcast ones really sticks with me. Because that was the first time I really had the internet, other than like what right. I accessed at school. Mm. Dreamcast was the first time I had internet at home. Um, yeah, and that sound and that first time connecting between the hours of... I used to only have, what, half an hour a night? And then I had to jump off. Um, oh, wow. That was cool, though. That was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, Even I still remember getting the ISP discs through the post as well. I miss those. Yeah. <laughs> Free serve discs everywhere. I love it. Yeah. And your grandparents not really understanding what they were, but they'd kind of get them and you'd get, like, the witch guides to the internet and stuff. It's like, are you are you sixty? Or here's a here's a magazine you can read to understand what the internet's about, and a disc that you can use to put in your computer. Oh, I remember computer. Oh, I remember Computer Active magazine. I missed that. Mm. That was good. A surfing guides, fantastic. Computers in general back then were just it's a completely different kettle of fish to now. I mean, you had the old iMacs, you had kind of old PCs, and just you know things that ran DOS, like DOS games and stuff. Like madness. Yeah, I mean, in it, it, Windows is just an overlay on DOS, isn't it? Really, it just obfuscates yeah. what a computer is, and I think that obfuscation has just continued. Uh, you know, the dial-up modem is kind of to the internet what the VCR was to watching films. In a way, it, it was it felt like a more mechanical way of doing it. You could mm. hear the dialing tone. It felt like a very um, primitive thing. Um, these days, the internet is just this ephemeral concept. It's just in the air. It's just, it's, it's, like, a, it's like an, yeah, it's like, it's like an invisible utility that you just tap into. Yeah. And it's just, you, you, you can't touch or feel these things anymore. They're all just behind layers of obfuscation. And, you know, the internet used to be that you would do the dial-up thing and then you'd click the URL field and you'd go to a website and, like, who the fuck does that anymore? Like, mm. no one goes to websites anymore, really? I mean, maybe news websites, but it's all it's all, it's all, all on the YouTube app or the Facebook app. Like, the internet is just indistinguishable now to how, to how it used to be. It's, oh, yeah. It's nuts. 
Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, you obviously have it much better now, but I, I do miss that level of like, you really did appreciate things then, whether it's the mechan- you know, mechanisms of a cassette or, you know, vinyl, but also with the internet. I'd, it, it's so easy now and it is better, but, and I know it isn't mostly nostalgia talking, but I, I do miss that. You had to kind of work for it, just that little bit. And the payoff think, was just like oh, internet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I think when it when it when it comes to the internet, I think I'm I'm with you on. I think I do miss the old internet. I think the internet now has become marketed to death by big corporations, and it is. It, mm. I really miss the sense of discovery and the sense of community and the sense of like homemadeness that the internet used to have and the way you would just randomly connect with people from around the world yeah. um and the chances were that they were not a nazi as well which was a nice feeling <laughs> these days you know the internet it feels like you either stick to the path or it's really dangerous it's like go down these mm. predetermined paths don't go off them because there are monsters that way <laughs> um yeah. They also lurk in the <laughs> algorithms at YouTube as well, so don't look too long at those. But I, 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 yeah, I definitely feel like I that. do, I do miss the old internet because I'm an old yeah. man. It, there, there was an innocence about it. There wasn't. There it was. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was because we were young as well, and there, there was the innocence of youth mixed in with that. But you know, it was, it was a way of finding information out about stuff that you liked. Like you go to Gamespot and look at like the screenshots of new games that you wanted to buy or you know you, you download a video that would take like an hour uh, to watch about like a, a new dreamcast game coming out or you go on a forum or a message board or you know or a chat room and talk with other people about stuff that you liked um or you go on msn and chat to your friends which i did for hours and hours on end um and set your set your um status as like a lyric to one of your favorite songs it was basically oh, yeah. It was, yeah yeah it was <laughs> and then they eventually released that thing where you could actually show what song you were playing as well when mp3s became mm-hmm. a thing um but yeah it was it i don't know if it was just that we were quite innocent to the whole thing back then i don't maybe if you just stepped off the path back then it would have been pretty seedy as well but i think Even the- even the bad stuff it had a charm about it. It was kind of like, oh, have you been to that website? I remember I used to be at school and used to talk about sites like Show No Mercy and Ogreish.com. And they were just oh, like, God, yeah. they had this rep. And it wasn't like it is now where it's just like, oh, the internet's just a cesspool. It was this like one or two websites that were just almost like kind of like the video nasties. There was this one thing. It was this tangible thing. It's like, if you don't go there, you'll be fine. But if you go there, like, oh my God, you've got to talk about it the next day at school. It's... And now it's just like you can go on YouTube, you can find some innocent video, and it will just corrupt your mind. But yeah. you had to work for your filth back then. It was just uh, I the think good old it, days. It's it's kind of like I saw some shit in my youth <laughs> that I should absolutely not have seen, and, and like there's probably damage in my brain somewhere as a result of that. So I I don't miss that. But I think what's kind of sad is that that stuff is still around nowadays but it's just kind of and you can still stumble across stuff but it's just kind of accepted now that people are exposed to heinous shit now like just a, just people a post funny <laughs> yeah people post funny videos on facebook or on your twitter timeline that have the cry laughing emoji on it but it's like a dude getting punched in the face and like do you, do you know what i mean or like a cyclist having an accident and it's like lol look at this and i'm like yeah. 
I'm sure this never used to be acceptable as comedy. <laughs> it just seems people just accept that there is an edge on the internet and you're probably going to be exposed to some st- like it's just a punchline now. Goat goat goatsy and two girls one cup is now just a punchline. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah. I, I know what you mean for sure. Um yeah. I mean all of this that we've talked about the whole thing not just the internet but everything. I mean there's huge nostalgia around it and I think the, the, the last question that I want to ask before we kind of wrap it up I mean you know there's a lot of nostalgia behind all this I've kind of asked what you kind of miss which which formats you miss and, uh, and we've just talked about how you kind of miss the internet of old are there any you'd actually want to bring back though are there, are there any that in today's world with you know with what we have available now uh, you know assuming that, that all that still exists are there any like pieces of tech any media formats any you know things to do to do with the internet of old that you would really want to bring back to modern times i think for me i I don't know if it counts because it is actually still readily available but it's more of a state of mind thing with me but i do actually just want to get films on disc again be it dvds or blu-rays because i don't buy any films anymore i've become so conditioned now just to stream stuff or you know go to uh, other means um i miss those days of just burning through a disposable income of just piling up dvds many of which wouldn't even come out of the cellophane wrap and i would just have films i used to create a collection i used to have all the old films i wanted to want you know wanted to watch with a nice digital transfer and now it's like i don't appreciate films in the same way i just consume it and i miss having shelves of discs and actually making the time to watch them so again i know it doesn't kind of count because they do still exist i can buy them online i can go to a shop but I wish I could go back to a time where that was the only way I actually consumed stuff and it wasn't just so easily available because I missed mm. that. I mean, I have discs now, but I will stream it. I watched Mad Max, I think, a few months ago. I have the Blu-ray, but I found a stream somewhere. But I, God knows why, because it's actually better quality on the disc. <laughs> I just My mind's just been completely you know, conditioned. So... Yeah, I can, I can, I can get behind that. I think uh, we, I think we've had this conversation before, Rich. Uh, when stuff is streaming, and this shouldn't be the case, but when, when, when you've got infinite content available at your fingertips on Netflix, it, it like it kind of devalues it in a way. Mm-hmm. Like when, when me and my girlfriend are trying to decide what film to watch, we scroll past so many films that are probably pretty good. But because we've never heard of it before and it's on Netflix, it just kind of matters less. Yeah. And yeah. I I can I definitely get the sentiment of missing a time when you would when buying the D V D of a film that you love felt like it felt like it had value to you and you'd put it on a shelf and if you wanted to watch it, you'd go get it and you'd make the time and you'd put it in and it would become a mini event. I'm gonna watch this film. I can definitely see the sentiment behind that. Yeah. Uh, but 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 I'm I'm but, but but that said I am a total proponent of owning things uh digitally and streaming because I just I cannot get past the convenience of it. I haven't had to get up and change a disc on my PS4 in years. 
I have not bought a physical disc on my PS4 in years. I, there's a group of friends that I play games online with, and sometimes we swap between games. And some of them are like, oh, hold on, I have to go find the disc if we're going to play that. And, I've got to, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You find it on the bar, and then you press X. Like, what disc? What are you talking about? And I'm the same on my Switch. Like, I, I accept that this can all be taken away from me. Um, but I think that is that I'm kind of okay with that because the convenience is just it's hard to argue. Yeah. Um, in terms of anything that I miss, I do miss the internet of old days, and I would like to go back um, because I think the internet's a fucking toilet now, and it is <laughs> it is responsible for so many of our ills. Um, we won't go into it here, but uh, a lot of shit's going wrong right now, and the internet is directly responsible for that. I would love to go back to the old days when the internet was slightly more niche than it is now. And if you met somebody else who spent a lot of time online, it felt like you had a special connection because you were like, yeah, you do that thing where you spend hours online, you nerd. That's great. Uh, there was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that had a reference to Trogdor the Burninator. Oh my God. And I got that reference because I was an internet guy and I felt so special and it was great. And I want to go back to those days. We need to add a message book to the uh, Dreamcast here one uh, site. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, we should do. That'd be great. <laughs> Have a forum and a chat room and uh, all those things. Yeah. yeah. No, I and a big oh, counter that tells you banner how many, as well. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just convert it to a GeoCity site. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I think especially Rich, just because I mean you kind of alluded to it earlier steve but i i still collect physical media today so there is that thing where i i love to have it there but the, it, back in the day back when we were kind of still teenagers or kids for me the having the dvd of the film that you loved was this it was like a statement it was like you were curating your own content which is something that netflix tries to do for you now uh, through algorithms but you were actually doing it yourself you were going well i love that film i'm going to have that on my shelf and you'd have a shelf full of films that you really loved and obviously when you're a kid you can only afford so many films because you don't you, know, you get pocket money or you have like a part-time job so you've got these films that you really love on your shelf and the best thing about that was that you have your friends and you can say hey have you seen this film oh no i've not seen it here you go have this film you can watch it and you can mm. share those yeah. things with your friends and your friend can either go oh, that was that was great i'm gonna buy my own copy or that was shit what do you think you know why do you like that film and it would start a discussion and like you said, Steve, people don't do that now. You watch something on Netflix and it will, you know, if it's this huge event and people really get behind it, then sure, there'll be conversations. But there's so many films and pieces of content on YouTube, on Netflix, that people just don't speak about because it's throwaway. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean anything anymore. And that really wasn't the case back then. It was it, it, Even if it didn't mean something to everybody, it would mean something to somebody. And I think that's been lost yeah. now to a large and extent. I know they've probably been substituted by the likes of like online discussions and obviously you've got like content available online now, but I miss a lot of with physical media, like all the bonus features that came with that. Like again, that's something you appreciated, whether it was like a two or three disc, um, you know, box set or whatever or edition. But I remember like sitting down watching like Airplane with like the directors and cast commentary. And that's not something now you, you'd never get that now. I could stream Airplane. I wanted to, mm -hmm. but to have that disc and to have all these features for a film from like the seventies or eighties, and it's just you don't have that time or any more the means to really have a real insight into like filmmaking. I feel like we just watch the film done next, but yeah. the discs, all the features that came with that, 
made you want to learn more about the film and the process absolutely the um the behind the scenes featurettes uh well the behind the scenes features because they were incredibly long to the uh lord of the rings films were legendary Mm -hmm. i they were films in and of themselves and they went into so much detail and they were so special um and you're right you just don't you don't really get that anymore people don't produce stuff like that because dvd extras used to be big business and i i I don't know they're just not anymore and also there's that good memory also used to like fall asleep and used to wake up to an interactive menu and then you know (laughs) yeah i miss those days now netflix is like oh do you want to stop playing and it'll just stop it for you are you still watching this Yeah, yeah there's I that, love that. There's that thing, isn't there, with with digital content, whether it's film, TV, or whether it's even music, it becomes background noise. Like sometimes you just you hmm. you end up putting it on just for the sake of having something on, and then you just kind of mess around on your phone, or you do something completely different while you have like an episode of a random TV show on, or you have like Spotify or Apple Music playing in the background just randomly. Like it's just become background, and you, that used to not really be the yeah. case. You'd have to get up and put like your vinyl on or put the cd on and kind of like change the tracks or you know decide what you're going to listen to or you put the dvd on and watch it and it was there was a purposefulness about it It felt like you were if you were going to put that thing into your device you were going to listen to it or watch it whereas now you can just put something on and just leave it and it doesn't matter if you watch it or listen to it or not it's just there you can always kind of you know put it on again later it's i don't know it's Mm. there's something it's too much it's 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 filler it feels like a filler a lot of the time Mm-hmm. Fill yeah, it to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, I mean, we probably missed a ton of stuff. So, if you, whoever's listening, if you want to kind of tell us about a media format or a technology that we've missed, and there's plenty, I'm sure, that you really loved, uh, let us know on Twitter um, and we'll kind of have a chat about that, I'm sure. Um, I think this is really nice. It's nice to nice to be nostalgic about some of the games for a change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So, um, I, and also we were kind of uh, and Rich, you were talking about you haven't really bought anything on disc. There's one thing that I feel like you might change your mind for, and that we may talk about mm-hmm. in a future episode, which is um, uh, w- w- which also Steve needs to watch, which is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Mm. Bought it on digital, but I should buy that on disc. When it comes out on disc, yeah, I, I'm assuming it's a delayed launch physical because um, I know it's out obviously on digital. I own yeah. it, but yeah, yeah, so. I think it's I think it's due in May on physical if it, if oh, it's so still good. being manufactured um, because of everything going so on. Good. But um, yeah, uh, Steve, watch it. Um, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I really should. Um, it's fucking expensive though, from what I can tell. Or did he find it somewhere cheaper? I think thirteen ninety nine to own it is the cheapest. To own it, one. yeah, to own it. Okay, HD, mm, HD as well. Yeah, HD, four K. Um, if you've got four K TV, but yeah, it's 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 well worth it. Well worth it for that price to own it. It's it's a it's great a fun film. And um, we won't go into it in depth here, but I'm sure, considering that we've talked about Sonic the Hedgehog in depth, I think the the film could be something that we discuss in the future perhaps once we've all yeah we should once mm-hmm. we've all watched it yes cool. um yes thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about old media formats um i've had fun i'm gonna have to go and buy a mini disc player now um <laughs> we'll buy psp <laughs> steve anything you want to buy <laughs> uh vhs cassettes yep i want to fill go. a room full of them <laughs> just full of VHS. they've just got so, yeah. they've just got a warmer quality to them do you know what i mean they're just <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, well, if we've inspired you to buy some old tech, um, let us know. Um, and we're sorry as well uh, that you've made you spend money. Um, all right. Uh, thanks very much for listening again, and uh, we'll be back very soon with the episode for 2003. Um, until then, take care. Bye. Bye.